Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au.
to start the show 3cr 855 am 3cr digital 3cr.org.au and 3cr on demand out of the pan with sally first broadcasting noon till one sunday afternoons thanks for your company 3cr proudly broadcasts from the lands of the Wurundjeri people and we pay um, uh, homage to elders past present and emerging and acknowledge any elders of all first nations lands who are listening today always was Always is, always will be Aboriginal land. And, well, what a way then to start the show with James Williams' Voice Treaty Truth, um, which is a very um, intersectionally placed track because you could see and hear that live at Tickets on Myself at Trades Hall this um, Thursday um, at 6 o'clock. And you could see some wacky bi-trans neurodiverse comedian as well. But um, that's we'll talk about that more throughout the program. <laughs> If you want to get in touch with the program, there's lots of ways to do it. You can look for the posts on Facebook, on my page, Sally Goldner, and on Out of the Pan, 3CR, 855 AM, um, Melbourne. You can do the old-fashioned way and Gmail, um, Out of the Pan, digits 855 at gmail.com. You can SMS 61456751215, and you can tweet at Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line. And... But someone actually did another old, very old-fashioned way of writing. I received a card. It's oh, um, nice. It's nice. Dear Sally and Co, congratulations on this very significant victory for um, living your best life, be yourself, with best wishes, Melina Smith, who's a 3CR member, and quotes, um, Maya Angelou, just like moons and like suns, with the certainty of tides, just like hope springing high, still I rise. What a good way to introduce my um, guest on the show today, someone who's, well, right at the centre of the intersection, so to speak, <laughs> and uh, a huge welcome to Out of the Panel, though no stranger to 3CR in many capacities, Edie Shepherd, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. A huge pleasure, and as we like to do with in-studio um, in guests, I ask which pronouns you use, if any. Uh, I use she, her, her pronouns. She, her which is totally, of course, affirmed because we affirm listeners and um, guests of all genders on this show. I had to say that, well, even with a coffee, I wasn't really sure where to start <laughs> because you do so much and there's so many aspects to you. Let's dive in. And I won't say, um, in my, well, I'll do, I'll do it in my best, this is your life um, voice. <laughs> Tell us the Edie Shepherd story. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and we have um, a maximum of about 58 minutes. <laughs> Dive in somewhere. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my name's Edie Shepherd. I am a proud queer Wiradjuri and Noongar woman. So Wiradjuri country is quite big. Um, starts sort of at the border, so Aubrey-Wodonga, um, and goes all the way through central New South Wales and up to sort of the western side of the Blue Mountains, which is where I grew up, mm -hmm. uh, around Katoomba. And then, so that's from my dad's side and on my mum's side, 
um, is the Noongar line um, from Balladon clan, which is a bit northwest of Perth. So I got some east coast and and some west coast, but also get the um, strong ashky dew thing from mum too. So I'm a dube original, which is niche. Wow. Um, <laughs> and look, I've got to say it, and they'll be going up soon, but I, um, I have to be honest, I, had, I became more aware of you when... Um, you um, played that role in one of the We Deserve films put up by yep. Transgender Victoria, which will go up soon, um, um, close to being fully captioned and all the rest. But um, there's so much in there to start. <laughs> um, East and West and Jewish. Um, all over the place. All over the place, but all together, of course, because yep. we love intersectionality on this show yep. and on this station. Um, Hodgepodge of, of cool stuff, I reckon. Yeah, so um, let, let's dive in then. What what would a typical uh, is there such a thing as a reasonably typical week, let's say, in the life of Edie Shepherd? Then, <laughs> or is that really pushing it? <laughs> I wish so. Work is quite dynamic, I yep. guess, for lack of a better phrase. So I work at an org called Original Power, which is pretty new and pretty small, but we do really big things. So, like, we definitely like to puff our chests and look bigger than we are. Um, It's an all-black Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander organising and campaigning org. So we work with MOB to build resilience and capacity for self-determination, predominantly around the defence of country. So Mm -hmm. we've got the Japarong Protection Embassy and that dispute happening here. We've got fracking regs rolling in the Northern Territory. We've got... The Galilee Basin and all of the people, it's not just Adani, that want to get in there um, and trample on Wanganjangalingu native title. And then we've also got underground coal gasification in South Australia. It's, yeah. So I'm going to South Australia next week and then I might be in Melbourne, then I'm up to Darwin, then I'm not sure. So I... I mean, a normal week is a chaotic week, really. <laughs> that sounds fair enough. It's, it's a diverse week as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, hard to pin down. Let's, let's dive in there then. I mean, you know, from your perspective and the um, perspective of original power, you know, let's get it across to our listeners who may not be fully aware. What's, you know, what is it from your perspective, in your words, that um, where this whole Adani and similar is, you know, obviously from your point of view, just not on? I mean, I think that, I mean, there's a lot of people who seem to now think that that coal mine is fair complete, like it's going to happen, um, which fundamentally we know that it can't for a lot of reasons. Um, and we know that this is a line in the sand that's been drawn not only by Miners, but like it's been, a, it's a line that's been drawn in the sand by pretty much any side of this campaign, whether it's pro or anti. Um, so where we fit in there is there's a lot of groups working on it, but we we focus on W and J. We look, we work with Wangan and Jangalingu mob, who just last week had their native title rights extinguished. What? Yeah, completely extinguished over this patch of land, um, where part of the infrastructure for this mine that they don't even have finance for yet um, is. So for us, we look at the defence of country, which definitely like intersects with the envir- environment movement a lot. But for us, it's this is a fight against ongoing colonisation for us. Mm. And it's about making sure that our communities, wherever they are, are equipped with the skills, the tools and the resources to 
fight their fight. And the other thing we do is try and connect those fights together because no matter where you look in the country, there is ab- there are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people fighting up against something. Yeah. And though and the root causes of those are genu- generally the same thing. The fight may be around a different thing. So down here it's about a road mm-hmm. instead of a mine, but it's still a- around consent and self-determination. So it's about linking those fights together as well so we can share stories and skills and, yeah, collectivise. Yeah, collectivise, <coughs> connect, communicate. You yep. know, there is, you know, sometimes in... You know, small under-resourced communities, there's that thing where we reinvent the same boring yes. wheel rather than going for the super diversity wheel, so yep. to speak. Yeah. And so there's probably, oh, we could do that. Oh, we mm-hmm. could do that, that sort of thing. But I've got to say, I mean, you probably, you know, saw and felt my shock when I, I heard about this <laughs> extinguishment of native title because, yep. gee, it didn't get a lot, enough coverage no. in mainstream media. Surprise, no. surprise. I'm, I'm near There was I like don't... one article in the, and not the age, in the ABC well, yes, thank yeah. you, Auntie ABC, <laughs> for doing your best as always. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm, I don't often swear on this show, but I'll say how the heck could that happen, that you can distinguish part of native title? Yeah, well, uh, you can do it by... So generally with extractive processes and minings, mining sites, it's a fixed-term lease. Mm-hmm. Um, Adani was given freehold which means that it's just theirs in perpetuity, which means that because of the way that the native title legislation in Australia is created, newsflash native title is not a good piece of legislation. Um, It's deeply, deeply flawed. Um, And because of the way that the law, L-A-W, not Mm L-O-R-E, across this continent runs, corporate interests will always trump anything else. So because freehold has been given to a large multinational corporation, their rights rights are deemed more important than the first peoples of this country. Yeah. And there was some big rabbit ear inverted commas going up in the studio here oh, on yes. around rights. Yeah. Oh yes. Wow. <laughs> See <clears throat> you know, there's things that I admit, as a settler, I just wouldn't have heard of on yeah. both the, that particular issue and the broader picture that we don't know. It's a reminder that we always need to keep open to be open to learning about diversity. And it just, mm. gosh, I mean, that's pretty awful. It's um, pretty full on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to ask then, you know, that how the, you know, sometimes when we are fa- try, trying to fight for a fair go, it can seem like you're looking up at the top of Everest going, how the heck do we climb it? How in that mm. sort of thing do you then sort of go, how do we keep going? Um, in terms of like just finding the motivation to push on? The motivation, the morale, the mental and mm. spiritual energy in a sense. Well, I I know for myself and I know that it's pretty similar for a lot of blackfellas, but I come from a really strong line of activists. Mm-hmm. My great-grandmother was one of the women who called the first day of mourning in 38, which has then become the Invasion Day protest. Like, Pearl Gibbs is my great-grandmother and all oh, of that wow. sort of stuff. So I stand on the shoulder of giants mm. and I would be doing a disservice to my old people if I lay down and give up, gave up. But on top of that, there's always... It's like I'm, I'm kind of like the most cynical optimist you'll ever <laughs> meet. Um, That's diverse. It's <laughs> non-binary, yes. I'm a cynical optimist in that, like... You know, 
things can be really hard across the board and things are really hard at the cro- across the board. But the way that I think about it is that, I mean, one, winning is possible because we've seen it before, but also like an animal is the most dangerous when it's been horrendously, like mortally wounded. That's when you get mm. like the death throes of, you know, like of the most violence. And I think that across a lot of fights, not just Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander fights, fights, we are seeing the death throes of systems and structures that have held people back, whether it's blackfellas, queer folk, like any of those things. Like I, I genuinely believe that we are, we are getting closer and closer to dismantling those really, the things that hurt us the most as people. So although I might be a cynic, I am inherently deeply optimistic that we're going to see that happen. I think that's a fair call. It is this sort of like we're, in a sense, right up against the wall of their their dysfunctional power at the moment. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of us being to push our shoulders and it's trembling. Yep. Yep. It's, it's thrashing about and desperately trying to cling on to whatever horrendous crap it's doing. Um, and it wouldn't, systems and structures wouldn't be fighting back as hard as it was if we weren't winning. Mm. It might not feel like we're winning right now, but I think we're winning. Yeah, no, that's a fair call. Well, you know, last week, the celebrations on this show for the birth certificate reforms, you know, we had to wade through a heck of a big swamp to get there, but we're on the other side. Yeah. That's a good thought. God, those debates were horrendous to watch. Yeah. Mm, yes. Um, mm. Yeah. The, certainly the 2016 ones, <laughs> but this time much better. Yeah. And the fact that there were so few liberals and nationals who spoke that they didn't yep. have an equal number of speakers to all the people who were supporting it in both houses. Good. <laughs> yes. Good. And that's the vote we got. Let's have a breather um, and well, um, have a track from Paul Kelly um, from the "So Much Water, So Close to Home" album from way back in the late eighties and eighty-nine, to be precise, which is as late as it can get. And come back and talk more with Edie Shepherd. You're on three CR eight five five AM, digital three CR dot org dot au, and three CR on demand. Out of the pan with Sally and guest Edie. No, I've 
accent women. It seems so obvious to me that if you live in a, in a completely violent um, cultural milieu that it's going to translate into every aspect of women's lives. Accent women. What's a border? They don't see it like a big wall right along the How the can country? people live ordinary lives when they're living in such an extraordinary situation where there are, two, where there are armies there and terrorists there and such conflict every single day of their lives? Accent women. A show by and about women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. Community Radio 3CR. I am the tree, the lean heart, hungry land. The fight to save the sacred Jaborong landscape from destruction at the hands of the Andrews Labor State Government is ongoing. Now, Jaborong women are bringing the voice and the spirit of the Jaborong Heritage Protection Embassy to the city. Join the rally at Parliament House to save the sacred Jatwarung landscape from 8.30am until midday on Tuesday the 10th of September. If you can't join us there, tune to 3CR at 10am for live coverage during the Koori Survival Show. Visit dwembassy.com. Three CR eight five five AM, three CR digital, three CR dot org dot AU, and three CR on demand. Lots of ways to listen to Out of the Pan with Sally and today's guest Edie Shepherd. And well, um, you know, a, a grimace <laughs> as that message was played, but I, I really felt it would be impossible not to have you Absolutely. in here at this time and not talk about it. So Absolutely. go for your life. Um, I mean, the Japarong Protection Embassy is. I mean, I've been working with that mob for about 15 months now, and they are some of the most incredibly staunch black activists going around. Um, it's, yeah, it's one of those things where it it's kind of like most black disputes where it's, yes, it's about a landscape, but it's actually about something much bigger. Um, it's about sovereignty it's about our rights to determine what happens to our land because realistically we have been denied that for 232 years Mm -hmm. um and the space and the place that they hold up on that western highway is honestly like if you have not been there it's bloody magic like it's actually just incredible um the way that those camps have grown and flourished and have become this this beacon of hope um, for a lot of blackfellas around, particularly along the East Coast. Like, it doesn't really matter where I go. People are asking me about that dispute. I was up in Borolula, which is like this itty-bitty remote community in the Northern Territory up on the Gulf of Carpentaria, and someone asked me about it. Like, it's, it's, it's one of those really – it's a big fight – um, and has become this big vehicle for really opening up a conversation that Australia as a whole has is often really like reticent to have, like too scared to have that conversation mm. um, about what it actually means to be a settler on Aboriginal land. Um, and like like I've always said, like an acknowledgement of country is more than words. It's it's an it's to take action. To acknowledge country is to take action. Um, and to actually centre and elevate and back in blackfellas when we need it. Um, so if you haven't been up to camp and you can, I'd get up there because it's bloody amazing. Um, and if you're not at camp on Tuesday morning, sadly I'm going to be on a plane 
Actually, no, I might have just gotten off the plane um, to South Australia for a different dispute. But um, if you are around on Tuesday morning at 8.30 outside, tra- uh, not Trades Hall, that was habit, that was a slip, used to work at Trades Hall, um, <laughs> outside Parliament, um, I could not more strongly encourage you to get up there because also like it's not every day that you get to see black warriors lay down the truth in that kind of way um because what this fight has done is really carve out space for black fellas particularly around nam in melbourne and victoria um to speak that truth on a day that's not just invasion day Mm. Um, which is kind of like that's the one day that Victoria mm. kind of like gives us to drop some truth bombs and then it's generally pretty hideous for everyone, every black person involved because, you know, Murdoch Media will do their thing. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's it's definitely like I'm I'm not Koori, so I'm not from I'm not from a clan down here. And the amount that I've learned off that mob have just been incredible the the generosity that they have um for visitors is something really special i think cool there's so many things i want to bring out of that just everything you've just said there mm. let's um i'll just try and clear my head in a bit, a bit of order <laughs> i don't you know to me surely it's a simple matter of can't we just reroute the planned so. road um so. in a way that creates a win-win solution and you know look gen you know i don't I don't for a second take away from what you're saying, but, you know, the Andrews government's better than a lot. I don't understand how this has got to this point, to be perfectly honest. I mean, there's so many parts to this, right? Um, You've got not only, like, broad structural issues of colonisation and ongoing colonisation, that's, Mm. like, the really, really big, like, mountaintop looking down telescope view, And then particularly in Victoria, and as someone who's not from here and didn't grow up here, um, so I had to learn when I moved here the way that state-based legislation works here. We've got, it's called RAPS, which sounds a lot more fun than it is. Um, The Registered Aboriginal Party System, which is based off arbitrary borders that we as blackfellas know, it's always blurred. We don't like we don't have like hard all right so boundary road over here and then we're over there and that's someone else's um so it's all based around these really i guess colonial notions of nationhood uh-huh. which don't really work especially when you like drill down even further so you've got your language group and then it comes down into clan and all of that sort of stuff um so the original rap who signed off on the plan uh did not have Japarong representation in there. So they weren't from the clan who actually hold that that landscape. Um, but under all of the laws in Victoria, the government have done what they had to do. The government have followed the law, whether or not that's right. And I think ah. any activist knows that the law is often not right. Um, gotcha. And it's our job to push back against that. But, yeah... It's they've they've done all their checks and balances, and we've had reports now come out after some FOIs of some pretty dodgy deals being done um, with the rap who signed off who don't even exist anymore. They've been dissolved, but because the signature's there, it's 
Like the government don't have have again. I'm doing the quotes. Yeah. Have to move on it. Um, so really, there's like there's not a legal mechanism. This is about social pressure and doing what's right. And what's right is hard for the government. What's right is often hard for the government. Mm. Um, so we yeah we just we persist until we get the job done. Fair enough. Yeah, no, that, that's that's helped me understand mm. a lot there. You know, and it comes down often to that story that legal justice and natural justice may yeah. not coincide. Yeah, right. And there's all like it's it's the classic tale of throw some money at the problem, throw some money at a group, they'll sign it off, and then it's done. We see it in pretty much everything across the board. Like, the way that the system is worked, you've got land councils, you give them some money, they sign off, and then it's done, and that cuts your legal options off at the knees. Ah, okay. Yep. Right. Yep. Mm, the old, do we work from inside the system mm. or outside the system? Classic. Yep. <laughs> The other thing that came out of your first remarks, and this is something that I admit I ponder on a lot. Yes, it's important to do acknowledgement of country or at bigger mm. events, welcome to country. But it sometimes just seems like that's a pretty small baseline. And yeah. I wanted to get more. What? How can settlers be better allies to um, First Nations people? Mm. You know, and go be way be, you know, start getting beyond that 101 and get up to yeah. 555 and 999. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think because I've worked in the black space for a while now. Before OP, I was the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander organizer at Trades Hall, mm-hmm. um, and the thing that I've noticed the most, and I might be wrong, and this might just be like what I've noticed, but even the most progressive folks, they want to progressive folks. They want they want to be on board. They want to do the thing a lot of the time. But it really feels like the thing that holds a lot of people back is this fear of stuffing it up. Uh-huh. Um, and if you're scared to stuff it up, you're never actually going to learn anything or try. And the thing that I always say is I don't mind if you muck it up as long as you've walked into the situation really genuinely mm-hmm. um, and you are authentic and you're honest in your intentions. I don't mind if you stuff it up because I will... I will show you the patience that I need if I believe that you are here for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, so, like, it sounds pretty naff and it sounds pretty simple, but oh. actually just, like, give it a crack. Show up or, like, in Victoria, head to the rally on Tuesday or head up to camp. But also, like, there's heaps of sort of our stuff. Like, black issues don't get platformed that much, but there's tons of independent Indigenous media and storytelling, jump on YouTube, hit up Indigenous X, like Mm. listen to our stories from our own voices um, and get behind communities when they ask for it. So you've got WNJ with Adani, you've got Japarong over like down here in Victoria, you've got Adnimatna in South Australia asking for help. So show up and bring what you can. Help doesn't mean that you fix it. That would be nice, but no one thing can fix colonisation and those impacts. It's about no. what skills can you bring to the fight and then the just, yeah, doing it. Doing it. Give what, it a crack. What would you like us to do and not like us to do? Um, you know, which is half rhetorical and half a question, let's say. Mm. You know, so when you say bring skills, what, you know, obviously check in with the people leading yeah. it and that sort of thing, but what sort of things... 
could people do? Just anything at, at random. Well, it's like what skills and what access do you have? Are you really good at building stuff? Because there's always those kinds of projects. Or do you have, like yourself, you've got your radio show, your, you platform some stuff. Or is your skill that you're really, really good at convincing people to do stuff. So your job is to then talk to people in your workplace uh-huh. about this thing. It's about like standing alongside. It's not about being behind or in front. It's actually being alongside. Um, and, you know, lifting us up when we ask for it. But there's also this thing where like sometimes we like fatigue is a thing. Sometimes we don't want to hit the mic and that's when you step in and you signal boost and you echo what we're calling for yeah. Um, because it can be quite exhausting. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's basically like walk in genuinely and just ask. Gen- generally, people won't be that pissy at you if you're like, hey, what do you need? I'm ready to go. Fair enough. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty good approach. The, um, you know, walk beside, have the humility to be an ally, that sort of thing. Yeah. All right, let's have another breather and listen to someone who's, um, well, sort of um, not um, not a First Nations person, but I often feel has a great empathy. Is a track from Dave Steele mm. and a track called The Dreams of Blue Joanna. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand. Out of the Pan with Sally and guest Edie Shepherd.
the ridge Above the Air River Bridge Up there you can see a thousand miles When we woke in the dawn She was gone from my side I walked toward the ocean wall A storm it was blowing Across the great southern ocean She lifted away And the dreams do not fly back again Now I sit on the cliff top And I watch the flowing sky And the dreams of blue Joanna They go flowing Three CR eight five five AM three CR digital three CR.org.au and three CR on demand out of the pan with Sally and guest Edie Shepherd. We just heard from Dave Steele from the Cross My Palm album and the Dreams of Blue Joanna. And I should have mentioned the prior track um, to give it its name. Paul Kelly, Pigeon slash Jundamara. Um Edie, there is a reason as well as to give platform to all these issues you're on mm. this show, just to add some more in, um, to fill out fill out the intersection more. <laughs> You, part, you come in as part of our rainbow community, so we're all queer communities. Yes, yes, big old queer. Big old queer. Big um, old queer. Misc queer. Sorry? It, just miscellaneous queer. Miscellaneous queer? Yeah. Just a bit of a miscellaneous queer. <laughs> <laughs> What's a miscellaneous queer to you? Um, I mean, I've I had a pretty abnormal but magical upbringing around sort of sexuality and queerness and that sort of stuff in that my mum's queer as well. Ah. Um, so for a while I had three mums and a dad mm-hmm. um, and never really – I understood sexuality in a very different way in that, like, I very, very loudly protested and identified as straight for a really long time, not because of some kind of repressed anything – but because I'd grown up in such a queer family that I thought that, like, for lack of better, like, vernacular, to be straight was to be bi and then to be bi was to be lesbian. Oh, yeah. Oh, now, now you've even got me thinking this is a good. I love a challenge. Yeah. To be straight was bi and bi was lesbian. Yeah. That was so, like, if to call myself straight meant that I could be into anyone. And then oh. if I called myself bi, I was just into women. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I because really... had a positive upbringing. I really, like, to the point where, like, me and mum would get into, like, screaming matches. <laughs> um, me, as a small child, because, huh, I used to kiss a poster of Annie Lennox before I went to bed. That sounds uh, fair to me. It's pretty... I was a pretty... I've always been quite queer. <laughs> um, but, like, you don't know me at all, mum, I'm straight. She's like... Edith, you're definitely not. (laughs) Um, So now I'm just sort of like, oh, 
I'm just going to go with queer because, I don't know, everything changes and is fluid and all of that sort of stuff and who knows, like, for a time I identified as a lesbian and then my partner came out and transitioned and I was like, well, I'm really into him, so let's just go with queer. I don't know. Like, it was just like it's all of this sort of, yeah, I don't know. I've always, like, it's always been, I was raised as it as a very sexuality is this really sort of like loosey goosey and fluid thing which is magic Mm. and I didn't realize how rare and special that was um until I got a lot older and sort of like walked into the mainstream world and was like oh oh right okay it's not all queertopia no no but I was kind of raised in one in those really formative years so yeah it was it's definitely a, like mum raised me without pronouns until I told her what my pronouns were age three. Um, like I just have a pretty, like especially for like a 90s mum, pretty radical. Um, in fact, I reckon that's probably seen as quite radical in 2019. But um, yeah. Oh, can we bottle your family up <laughs> and just sort of then find a way to get it out there? Because I mean, gosh. I She's mean- pretty cool. That's pretty cool, the whole the whole angle, the whole everything you've just said there, because, you know, that's just like, you know, that is queertopia. That's what we're sort of after in a way that, mm. you know, um, you know, it's like, oh, you know, my happy um, queer family upbringing is how it really is. And it's like, what? Is that something else? I know. <laughs> so that's very, that is ex- absolutely mm. awesome. Yeah. It's just one of those things that it was like, especially like, as I got older and started watching friends, you know, come out and have really bad time, um, like small country community and blah, blah, Mm. blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, I don't understand this experience at all. Um, I have never once had anything from my family, like never, not once, never had to come out except when I guess maybe came out as straight. What? (laughs) (laughs) What, they tolerated your lifestyle choice? Mm. (laughs) No, mum was like, I'm really glad that you're not actually straight because I would have loved you anyway, but... mm." (laughs) (laughs) That sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, so it's just like, it's just a completely foreign experience to me, which is really lovely but also very strange because it's Mm. like one of those things that like a lot of people in the queer community like band together around that trauma yeah um that i just don't have so i just sort of walk in being like hey guys how's it going um yeah and it was sort of like definitely one of those things where like learning and like having to learn that that was the way that a lot of broader society views Mm. and acts was definitely you know jarring but, like, the fact that I have the protective cushiony shield of my very queer family. I'm the oldest cousin and we joke that everyone's just, like, fallen like dominoes. Um, so the yeah. I'm the oldest. The next one underneath me came out. The one underneath me came out. And oh. the one underneath me came out. It's just, like, everyone's queer. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I've just got, like, the warm, cushiony queer embrace of my family. So It actually says what can happen when you get that good role modeling and the, mm. how the the positive ripples can sort of flow yeah um and that's actually yeah that actually says how strongly we need that um, yeah to get spread throughout society so let's try to put all the pieces of um, <laughs> Edie Shepherd together how you know the whole the whole picture that is the unique person that is you mm. um you know it all comes together to sort of um 
you know, we all, to some extent, are influenced by all of that in what we do and how we do it. Mm. Um, what sort of things then does it do for you? I mean, in terms of I compartmentalise and I don't in that, like, I've got the black activism I do, I've got queer stuff that I do, but also, like, spend try and really make sure that there's space for queer black people as well. Mm. Um but it's sort of like it really a lot of it underpin I come from yeah big activist family have always been raised with a sense of justice and what is right and what is wrong but especially in terms of queerness and then after moving into the city and seeing some stuff you know as every queer person has seen some stuff mm. um it's I know what it I know what it feels like to be on the other side of that bad stuff um and I know what uh I guess a loving a loving family unit or community unit that treats you with dignity and respect looks and feels like. Um, and it, like, I'm not going to lie, fills me with rage that mm. that's not a universal experience for queer folk or for black folk. Yeah. Um, so I spend my time doing the parts of parts that I can to make sure that my experience is not unique um, because that's not fair um, and that's not right and it's actually really not that hard not to suck. Uh, mm. Looking at you, world. Um, <laughs> you know, like it's it's actually like there's just it's, – it's quite basic to not be a bigot. <laughs> um, so, yeah – I, I let the sort of anger and sadness knowing that people that I love don't have that experience drive me forward to work with them to make sure that we can work towards building a world that does treat each other with dignity and that respect for, yep. you know, fundamental parts of who you are. Yep. You take you take that energy and channel it to something yep. that will make it better for other people. What a good way to use it. Yep. Sounds pretty I mean, solid to me. Yeah, you can be consumed by the rage or you can use it, right? Yeah. Um, and especially being black because, you know, being Aboriginal in Australia is pretty crap sometimes. Like, we find a lot of joy and love in all of that sort of stuff and in our communities, but, like, you know, we a lot of the time we are under siege um, mm. and it could be really, really easily. And there there was a time where it consumed me and I couldn't I, I felt paralyzed like I couldn't do anything or move I couldn't breathe um and yeah I found a way to use that rage and it was the best thing that ever happened to me that sounds pretty damn awesome mm. um I just need to have a, a quick breather and do a couple of messages um do a few announcements and then we'll come back and wrap it all up um We'll come back and wrap up the um, conversation with the fabulously intersectional Edie Shepherd just after we have a couple of messages. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand. Out of the pan with Sally and guest Edie Shepherd. Hi, it's Paul Kelly here. Hi, this is Shane Howard here, asking you to support 3CR. Independent radio station, encouraging independent music and independent thought. They've been supporting musicians for more than 30 years, so let's support them. (laughs) 
3CR is a community radio licence holder. What you hear on community radio is governed by the community radio codes of practice. The codes of practice cover matters relating to program content, including local content, news, current affairs, Australian music, programs for children and the responsibilities associated with broadcasting by and for the community. They also cover aspects such as community access and participation in the operation of this station. Copies of the code are available from the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash who we are. Three CR eight five five AM three CR digital three CR dot org three CR on demand out of the pan with Sally and Edie Shepherd. Um, just before we um, come back and um, wrap up the conversation with Edie, well, we haven't wrapped it up. We scratched the surface, <laughs> and um, gosh, we need about four hours or something. But then, freedom of species in psychedelia, queering the air, and other programs might get a bit annoyed um, <laughs> because that's your Sunday afternoon lineup. Just a few um, brief announcements. Um, also, as part of Fringe and By Gosh, it's packed. Um, you know the No Apologies, the chat show, um, th- based on the based on the book by Joanne Brookfield about women in comedy and other forms of arts, um, is back Sunday, fifteenth of September. So that's five thirty at Trades Hall, and the headline is Joe Stanley. So that's pretty cool. Um, but on the other end of media, had some breaking news during the week, which um, came from reliable sources that there's been a bit of shenanigans over at Joy 94.9 where the poos hit the mistral, um, something's hit the fan, so to speak, and unfortunately all the stuff that I think a lot of people always knew about Joy has come out and there is a, a meeting of for past and present members where you'll have a chance to have a say, hopefully respectfully, but I can't make it this afternoon at RMIT. Um, there's been a lot of issues there, in my opinion, for some time. Um, but interesting, I haven't spotted any news reports about it. Um, who has the power within the rainbow communities, talking about who has the power in broader society. Hmm. Um, so, yes, watch watch this space for that. Um, we'll probably, probably break during the, more during the week, but um, heard it first here. And lots of um, ongoing things happening. The Polyvic Discussion Group um, this Tuesday the 10th, and the Trans Anxiety Group on Wednesday the 11th, QTV and Bent TV on Friday the Friday the thirteenth, and all that sort of thing, and for trans people, and it's the AGM for Seahorse Club of Victoria. Um, lots of stuff happening um, in the next week, and of course, Fringe getting underway, and it's a magnificently diverse Fringe. Um, One hundred and twenty-five trans and gender diverse people alone, Whoa. which is pretty awesome. I can't remember how many rainbow That's people. Huge. Lots of Indigenous, Deaf, disability. I've really got to give them a tick for what they've done. Mm. Um, Very, very huge. Um, A big smile there. I'm going to throw a question (laughs) in as we get to the end of the show. Your subjective utopia. Um, What Mm. would really put the big smile on Eddie Shepard's face? I mean, without wanting to sound like too much of a socialist, like radical system upheaval and some kind of like queer workers paradise Mm -hmm. uh, would make me pretty happy. Um, That's, that's like a long-term goal. Yeah. Um, You know, working towards radical, radical system shift because we know that systems and structures hurt all of us that Mm -hmm. we're stuck with at the moment. Um, I would also really love to see I mean I think that it would be easy to say a decolonized Australia but mm. that doesn't really mean much at this point in terms of like what does that actually mean or what does that look like 
um, I think that even like there's some really basic stuff that would bring a huge grin to my face in terms of like moving forward um, with First Nations people across this continent. Um, and it becomes a question of autonomy and, and self-determination and control. Um, what I desperately want to say is, I mean, other than like the massive upheaval of a whole bunch of laws that regulate our lives, mm-hmm. um, actually we're seeing growing, particularly in the Northern Territory, these self-governing communities. So there's, you know, in like Yongu, in, in Arnhem Land and Minyeri, where communities have actually come together and completely rejected a lot of the crap that gets thrown at them, particularly in the Territory, still living under intervention and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm privileged enough to be able to go out and work with those communities and the amount of joy and pride that they have where they are because they are bringing it back to their old way, but in this, like, amazing hybrid where they're still, like, they're able to to bring back and revive cultural practices, but because of, you know, some of the joys of the modern age, be up, they're able to share it with other communities because we've got internet and reception and stuff like that. So like this big sort of, you know, revival and resurgence of black like cultures, um, I think would bring the biggest smile to my face, I think. Yeah, no, that sounds fair uh, and pretty bang on to me, you know, just um, having that um, sense of visibility and mm-hmm. being heard. Um and I've just we've had a message from um, a regular listener who um, goes by the name of Roving Reporter, uh-huh. um, and, um, and the question. Well, actually, we've had a few messages come in, um, so um, just to throw in on the end of the station. Uh, at the start, at the end of the program, <laughs> I beg your pardon. Goodness <laughs> me, that, that would be a, a disastrous scenario. Um, <laughs> A question um, which reads, quote, can I ask your guest a question, read leadership, what do you think of Ken Wyatt and Linda Burney as leaders in our federal parliament? <gasps> Are they really representative of Indigenous Australian communities? And how long have we got? Only a few minutes left. No, all right, I'll, eleva- I'll elevate a pitch, that response. No. No. The answer is no. I think there's a couple of layers to it, right? I mean, one person cannot represent yeah. nearly... Fight like we had over five hundred nations across yeah. here, um, so the question of like one centralized representative is completely flawed in the first place. But also, I can't speak for everyone, obviously. But working, having come from working in Victoria, you know, as in my job at Trades Hall, I had to spend a really long time getting a read on what community desire was in Victoria. And just one example is this voice to parliament stuff. Yeah. The vast majority of the Aboriginal community in Victoria think that it's kind of a bit of crock. Okay. Um, in that it doesn't mean anything. It's going to be a whole lot of resource. It's going to put our rights to a referendum for something that is not actually going to affect any kind of positive change for us. Um We've been calling for meaningful treaty for decades. Yeah. And this is like a bit of an the old bait and switch in the same vein that like we kind of got played a little bit in the 67 referendum too. Like it seemed good on paper, but it actually what it did was pave the way for government intervention in the Northern Territory. The Northern Territory intervention could not have happened without this constitutional change that happened in the 67 referendum. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know, we're a bit reticent. It's kind of like... 
the way that my mate describes it is like, imagine you're living in a house and then suddenly a bunch of squatters showed up, mm-hmm. took over your house, kicked you out of your house and then invited you back in to pay rent. Like, what? Get out of my house. Um, Good analogy. <laughs> um, it's just, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, and I don't have the answer of what like a representative body looks like for like, I guess, pan-Aboriginal Australia. But um, I think that regardless of whether I personally like Linda or Ken, they have an impossible job. Mm. They have an absolutely impossible job. You can't win there. Okay. And the other question, very quickly, have you both watched the Adam Goods film Australian Dream? I'm hoping it's shown in every school across Australia. Um, I'm optimistic for a positive change um, and through art and film that that could initiate it. Highly recommend the film. Very quick thoughts on there because we've got to wrap up and make way for freedom of species. I have to admit it's on my list of things to watch, but I have not been able to bring myself to watch it because I remember when the Adam Goods stuff was really going down. That was quite painful as a black person, but also like when you zoom out as, you know, I'm a bit of a rat bag. I cause trouble. Adam Goods is... You know, he he ticks every box for the most, like, you know, he's smart, he's well-spoken, he's talented, like, he, like, you know, he's he's a bit of, a, a, like, a role model, I guess, and seen as this, like, real pillar. And if even he can't win, there's something really a bit devastating in that. So I, I'm going to get around to watching it. I just need to, like, make sure that I'm in no way feeling <laughs> fragile when I watch it. Yep. Mm. That sounds like a fair call note. Yeah. Uh, I remember um, seeing it on TV a few weeks back or a couple of months ago, and, yeah, hard going even for someone like myself. Yeah. Edie, I've, we've got to make way very quickly. So just, That's again, right. thank you for so much. For, Anytime. Um, there's, um, well, I might bring you back in <laughs> and stay in touch with things that are going on by yeah. all means. Um, amazing work. Um, keep up with thank you. Outright, you too. Outright Action. Thank you. And take it out today as we uh, move over to um, Freedom of Species. Well, I think it's... I hope it's appropriate. Here's Goanna. Solid rock. <laughs> Edie, thanks again. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. And next week, two Fringe Show guests, um, Selena Jenkins and Jacob Thomas. Catch you, everybody, next week. I love Jacob.